0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And of course, as always, joining me is my co-host, James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire. And Jay, it's good to be back with you here again this week for a brand new episode. And, uh, you know, as we have come to learn, once the actual football starts, there is never a shortage of topics to get into and of course this week is certainly no exception
1: yeah man it's been a jam-packed week full of exciting news following the game at least uh, the game which we'll talk on itself wasn't all that exciting um but at the same time you know what i'm saying like uh there's still plenty of time before the regular season so uh i don't think me and you may be on uh on edge like everybody else just yet i guess we'll find out when we do the game review <laughs> but I don't think we're at that level man, yet. I think the sky was falling or something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> Jesus. But um, I mean, nonetheless, we're here to talk about it and give the people our thoughts as well. And um, you know, talk about some other stuff that happened, as you said, or as I've already said, uh, afterward, uh, because look, man, like the season is coming. And uh, the news just keeps flowing in at an all-time high now. I mean, that's what happens when you get a quarterback, right? And you actually have a team uh, that may can do some things in the regular season. So, man, I'm excited to talk about uh, our topics at hand. And as always, appreciate everybody who's been listening, uh, rating, commenting, subscribing, and what have you. And uh, we ask that you continue to do that and uh, support the show. Absolutely. And of course, what Jay is referring to is everybody that has gone
0: out of their way and left five-star reviews over on Apple Podcasts. So if you are listening on your Apple device, iPhone, iPad, whatever it may be, and you are enjoying the show, please consider leaving us that five-star review. It's one of the best ways to support the show. Let's us know that, you know, that you're listening, uh, but also it drives us up the podcast charts as well. So that is Really, really one of the best ways to support us. And of course, we can also, you can also find the show pretty much anywhere else. Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, tune in. Of course, we're on Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the awesome Believe Podcast Network. You can find us, or you can find me at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is over at Sports Grind underscore Don. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Believe in Jags Pod and find us on Instagram over there as well of course with the season kicking uh uh starting to uh you know pick up here and get closer and closer you're definitely going to want to follow me and jay as we'll be tweeting out a whole bunch of information when it comes to the team and then of course before we get started we do have to give a shout out to this week's sponsor bet online and if you are into sports betting bet online is where you should go to win money today whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship bet online has all the latest odds news and information for all your online sports betting needs visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit so before the next big game head on over to bet online and start playing today bet online your online sportsbook experts all right folks well let's get into the first topic here now we have plenty to talk about as we mentioned at the top of the show but first we are going to discuss the game you know monday night football of course it was preseason, but you know it was a little nice to see the jaguars featured uh, prominently on a prime time game, even though it was preseason. And ultimately, you know, they were relatively low stakes, at least for, uh, you know, at least for the most part. But, um, you know, if people were looking to get into this game or to tune into this game and see the offense really get going, maybe see Trevor Lawrence lead a few drives that, that ended up in touchdowns, then they were pretty disappointed in this. But, you know, all in all, Jay, I, yes, there is cause for concern, and we're going to get into that, but I, I still had some positive takeaways here. Now, the offensive line looked a little shoddy, yes, but also, remember, they were, without, they were without Cam Robinson, they were without Andrew Norwell, and they were without Brandon Linder. And people can say what they want, Jay, but you and I have been adamant about this. It could be much, much worse as far as the offensive line. We've talked about it in length. This is probably going to be a middle of the pack offensive line, but it's not necessarily going to be the worst thing ever. So let's start with Trevor Lawrence, of course, because that's what everybody wants to hear about. So, you know, how do you think he handled himself, even though we, ne- we didn't get a drive that ultimately ended up in a touchdown? We still haven't gotten it out of that group yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did the best he could with what he had, you know, and granted – Uh, You know, I would definitely feel like he made progress even with the lack of protection. Uh, I think he made progress from the first game, you know, and uh, that's what you want to see is you want to see the quarterback, your rookie quarterback, take a step each game. Now, that's going to be hard to do again, like I said, with the offensive line situation. And it'll be hard to do again once again on Sunday when they take on the Dallas Cowboys. Because, uh, you know, we don't know who's going to be back yet, although Urban Meyer said he thinks Cameron Oppison could be back. Uh, but at the same time, I'm looking at what was said about the receivers, uh, more, uh, most particularly with Marvin Jones Jr., that he's questionable for the game. So if he doesn't play, that leaves Trevor Lawrence without his top two receivers, DJ Chark and Marvin Jones Jr. So that just leaves LaVisca Chenault if you're talking about the top three so again, like if you're going into this game, I'm telling people right now to temper your uh, your expectations right now because Trevor Lawrence, uh, and they did say the starters are going to play, could be going out there with his top uh, without his top three receiving targets right now, and possibly uh, at least one to two of the offensive linemen that we mentioned that missed out on the last game. So uh, again, don't go in there expecting them to drive up and down the field and whatnot. And then the receiving core is already struggling to get separation. Just imagine that receiving core without Marvin Jones Jr., who isn't necessarily a separator himself, but more of a crafty type of receiver, if you will. So that could be an issue. Um, But again, like, I don't want to panic until this group, and that's my biggest takeaway. I was highly disappointed, don't get me wrong, and yes, concerned. Uh, but before... You know, I go and hit the full-fledged panic button. I do want to see this unit healthy. I want to see this unit with Andrew Norwell back. We want to see this unit with Brandon Linder back, with Cam Robinson back. And I know healthy, while healthy, that offensive line, uh, a lot of people still question it. But one thing we saw last year is that at least they can run the ball, establish the run. And that was the big issue here with the game. Like, people are overthinking this thing. The Jacksonville Jaguars – And and the announcer said it. They need an identity. They need an identity. They need an identity. You kept hearing it. Well, their identity is running the ball. And you can't run the ball. I'm sorry. I don't know why, for whatever reason, people think uh, teams have backup offensive linemen uh, that are really good because that's not common at all. You know, nobody has a second stream backup offensive line. That's good. That's not realistic. Name one team. Maybe you got a, a team with one or two backups that may be good at best, but not a, it's not realistic. So you try three guys out there, and that's the result you get. Uh, but nonetheless, despite all of that, Trevor Lawrence, he made some great throws that you would like to see. The LaVisca Chenault throw was a great one, um, even though he got hit on that as well. And, uh, yeah, he he had a few other throws, too. Like, you know, to me, like, it looks like, and I'll have to go back and watch it again because I was typing as usual. Uh, while it was all going on but it looks like he was settling his feet a little bit better uh he looked a little bit um like the uh the the jitters were going a little bit which I mean you expect that every game but you know especially in your first game as a rookie that's just gonna come with it and then I mean not to mention if you don't get nervous in any game something's probably wrong with you you know I don't care how much of a veteran you are or whatever the case may be just stop it don't don't even tell us that because it's not true. Uh but but nonetheless he looked significantly better and more comfortable uh this time around. And again, that's not to say that he looked scared before. Uh but that was my biggest takeaway. I'm glad that he took te- he took that extra step despite what was thrown in front of him. And uh yeah, we'll see what he could do on Sunday. Uh although my expectations are tempered. Um, but nonetheless, I mean I definitely didn't come away. Uh, from this game at least disappointed in him specifically trevor lawrence Um, uh, and everybody admitted it you know even the folks at espn they you know they said what they said about him and like hey look he's going to be all right the question is and this is a this is the general consensus for even espn the question is what do the jags do around him it's not so much him he'll be fine so we'll see that's a that's a question for the future and uh, yeah, I can't wait to, uh, to for the regular season to get going. To be honest with you, because I ain't too excited about this Cowboys game. Right, and like like we said, you know, you, you mentioned it there. Just temper expectations.
0: Was he? Did he come in and just absolutely awe you from beginning to end? No, but like you said, he showed significant improvement, and there were a couple drives there, Jay, where they're driving down the field, and maybe in the instance of a normal game. You know, when you're you're able to, when you have a sense of urgency and you know that this is a situation that's really, really, you know, that really matters. You know, it's a game that in, in in an instance that a game, it's a game that matters. Then maybe they drive the ball into the end zone, but they're still figuring it out. They're still working out the chemistry. They're still just trying to figure out everybody's tendencies. But I saw enough here to make me say, okay, he is moving in the right direction and what we didn't see is somebody else outperforming him right like if Gardner Minshew would come into the game or CJ Beathard to come into the game earlier and against the same competition had started playing better then yeah that's cause for concern and we talked about this I think last week like it hasn't helped that just a couple days before or maybe it was the day before Zach Wilson came out and threw two touchdowns against the Packers. That's not helping. Justin Fields looks pretty good as far as, you know, as far as that goes. So that's certainly not helping, but we have to try. And as difficult as it's going to be, and for us included, like us included here on the show, it's going to be difficult for us to try and and, and not compare the progress between Trevor Lawrence and these other quarterbacks. Justin Fields arguably is in a much better situation than Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, we've talked about it. That's probably a toss up uh, in the air. You know, we would also have to go. I would have to go back and look at how Green Bay played him. You know, maybe that has something to do with it as well. But regardless, like you, like you said, everybody needs to calm down. One thing I do want to get your comments on, Jay, was something when we talk about ESPN, um, what, you mentioned ESPN, Dan Orlovsky came out on, on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this during the game and basically just stated that Urban Meyer should already be looking for a new offensive coordinator. (laughs) And, you know, that's kind of Orlovsky's thing is like, he goes, I, I feel like he goes very, very extreme. That's kind of his shtick, but you know, granted the offense has not necessarily gotten going early on in these first two games. And again, we'll get, they'll get another crack at it here next week, but you know, what is your level of concern or at least is there any concern at all as far as the offensive scheme that we're seeing thus far?
1: Oh, yeah, of course there's concern, just like the fans have, there's concern. Uh, But then, you know, when I look at it and think about it in hindsight, this is the same uh, coach that Matthew Stafford has endorsed. You know, basically, this is the same coach that uh, has a Super Bowl ring, something that we haven't seen here in Jacksonville. And then he also has the, the Super Bowl appearance that we all know him for where uh, Russell Wilson threw the pick to Malcolm Butler. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, this, this man has had a uh, great deal of success before coming to Jacksonville. He's also coached Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Uh, so I'm not going to jump the gun in the preseason and, and start to panic. And I mean, like it's starting to make sense why they look the way they look. Uh, and you look at, you know, Darryl Bell past and you look at urban Myers past, Right. And the reason you keep hearing this whole thing of we need an identity, we need an identity is because, you know, Darrell Bell had a Marshawn Lynch and a a decent offensive line back in the day. And Urban Meyer has had plenty of good offensive lines in his day in college. They were at least, again, going back to what I was saying, they were at least able to run the ball, you know, and they haven't been able to do that uh, with, you know, their offensive line kind of being a makeshift group or, whatever the case may be. But, I mean, I look back at that first game, uh, it was the Browns. I think it was like one of the first catches or one of the first touches or whatever the case may be. James Robinson ran the ball for like nine yards with most of the starters in there. You know, and if you get more of that, right, and you can only get more of that, by the way, with starters in the game on the offensive line. If you got more of that in this recent game against the Saints that we saw, nobody's panicking. If James Robinson get a couple nine-yard gains to start the game and open up the passing game a little bit. Now, look, it's worrisome that the receivers aren't getting separation. That needs to be fixed as well. But if we see James Robinson get a few runs early that are significant and then the the passing game kind of open up as a result, uh, then this is a whole different story. But, again, and I don't know if Urban Meyer went into this game thinking – that he'd be able to run the ball down people's throats or whatever the case may be with Tyler Shatley in there. And this is no disrespect to Tyler Shatley and Walker little in there. Who's learning his way by the way. And, and Ben Barch, who, you know, Ben Barch has been decent, but look, these are guys that I've said specifically little and Barch, they won't be ready until next year. And um, in a way though, at the same time, like I'm kind of happy that they went out there and got reps because they're starters of the future. And, you know, you look in the regular season, it's like, where could they get reps in the regular season if nobody gets hurt? So this is a good test for them as well because eventually Walker Little is going to have to protect Trevor Lawrence's blind side. And what better team to go out there and do it against than the Saints, one of the better defenses in the league? What better team than Ben Barch to go out there and get some reps against than the Saints defensive line? Uh, but, you know, we saw that there needs to be some progress there in terms of, you know, where they are. Uh, we'll see how they are next year and, and whatever the case may be. Uh, but, yeah, man, like I'm not ready to hit the panic button on Darryl Bevel either because I do want to see uh, this team when they are able or if they are able to establish the run and just how much that helps uh, because we all know that they can at least do that Um, despite not being a top 15-ish offensive line. I mean, for crying out loud, James Robinson was just named a top 100 player. You know, they can do something right. Um, It might not be pass blocking. And look, it was like I was telling you and Boogie. Maybe we're looking at a year where you take the Blake Bortles plan. And, uh, you know, you put the the ball on, Uh, you know, you, you put the whole team on James Robinson's shoulder. I know you have a great quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. But right now, nobody's getting separation. Maybe you go that route. You know, Blake Bortles had a better defense, but – maybe you you lean on on Robinson and uh, Carlos Hyde because he's not necessarily a good receiver, so rely on him in the run game and see if you can find you some speed like a Duke Johnson uh, at, at, at running back to be the third guy to replace ETN or something like that and see where that gets you. Um, but the biggest concern for me is really the receivers group. We'll see if they can get that turned around against the Cowboys or maybe against the Texans.
0: Yeah, really just goes to show, again, the importance of a guy like a DJ shark. So uh, just like you, Jay, I want to see this offense at full strength. We certainly have not even gotten uh, anywhere close to that here yet. Of course, as far as actual game reps and yeah, that's what I was going to echo as well. You know, the discussion we had, uh, this is what, for, for those of you listening, this is 2017. As far as the offense is what you should be looking at. As far as success goes for this team this year, except with a quarterback that is more physically gifted than Blake Bortles was. So every once in a while, we're going to get a play that Blake Bortles couldn't have made or something along those lines, right? We're going to see Marvin Jones or DJ Chark make a athletic play that, you know, wasn't there or wasn't, uh, they, they didn't have the opportunity to make back in 2017. So temper those expectations and think, all right, here's how the team had success in 2017. We're not saying they're going to the AFC Championship game. That's definitely not what we were saying here but that is the type of offense that you should be looking for as far as if you want the team to be successful, because yes, we expect Trevor Lawrence to be, uh, you know, a big deal here. We expect him to be here for a very, very long time and be very successful. Probably not going to happen this year. And I'm sure we're going to get into that next week or, or the next couple of weeks when we do our full season preview here, Jay. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of people, of course, very, very concerned and understandably. So I just don't think it needed to be as high a level of concern as some people were portraying it, at least on social media. You know, one thing I do want to talk about before we move on to the rest of our stories here is is the defense, I felt like, looked pretty good. Much better than last week. Now, Tyson Campbell is definitely having his struggles within the first couple of weeks here in the preseason, and Urban Meyer, I believe, addressed that here in his presser today, Jay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, You know, Shaq Griffin has been beaten a couple of times. Now, as far as the first touchdown of the game, or Jameis Winston just aired it out, uh, you know, that was ne- wasn't necessarily on Shaq Griffin. That definitely was more of a Tyson Campbell thing. Uh, but, you know, as far as the defense, though, the rest of it, I mean, we saw them out there get out, go out there and stop screens. That was good. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking for a week-to-week progression, Hell, I'll take that. So that was pretty good, and that that was nice of them, or that was nice to see from a defensive side of uh, defensive side of things. I thought Miles Jack played a lot better than he did in the first preseason game as well. So you know, anything as far as the defensive side uh, side of the football that stood out to you and made you feel a little bit better?
1: Yeah, I mean, like the the touchdowns they gave up were concerning, but I agree with you about Miles Jack. Uh, I think he looked good, and and last week. He flew around to the ball well, but it was times where he missed tackles or he was a little bit out of position from how I saw it. Um, this time he was where he needed to be every, pretty much every snap. He he got to that screen and shut that one down because that could have been catastrophic. It looked like the, uh, the running back or whoever that was had like a lot of green in front of him. But um, if I can recall, Miles Jack was the one that brought him down on that play. And he fought through a block, if I can recall. I have to go back and look at that. But he looked good. Urban Meyer alluded to that today. Um, You, you know, you've heard Joe Cullen uh allude to it in the past as well. Um, last week more so. I don't think Joe Cullen's been on the mic this week. But uh, nonetheless, he looked good. Uh. And, you know, like like Urban Meyer said, like the safety competition is going to get interesting. I think that's the key one that needs to get solved heading forward uh, because they have good depth there, which is good because, you know, safety. Aside from Donovan Darius and maybe Tayshawn Gibson has kind of been hard for the Jags to figure out. So you like to see that. Uh, that'll be interesting to watch. Hopefully they do the right thing and put Andre Sisco there. We'll see. That's more of a thing we'll speak on next week. Um, but yeah like you said they they didn't really get gashed in the run game as well which is that's a continuous trend that we're seeing that they are stepping up against the run this team is going to be significantly better against the run and that alone is going to help them a lot because that's really what the AFC South does is run the ball so you know while they might not be the best team against the pass obviously and by the way Josh Allen didn't play Uh, he's in the COVID protocol and uh, they're trying to see his situation, but you'll have to think he'll be back for at least the regular season. Uh, But, you know, when you look at what they have done well, that bodes well for their chances in the AFC South, not necessarily outside of the AFC South, but they can probably win more, uh, more divisional games this year just off the fact alone that they could stop the run and um, they're flourishing at that. I mean, that's what happens when you kind of put the resources that you put into it in free agency and add a lot of big guys in the trenches.
0: Yeah, and, you know, and one thing we will get to here in just a moment, here, Jay, I mean, even though this preseason doesn't necessarily matter too much, they were, they could have been in a position to win this game had it not been for, a, you know, a few missed field goals. And I want to get your opinion on something here in just a moment when it comes to Josh Lambeau. But yeah, I was very, very encouraged by how uh, how they swarmed to the ball and just how they looked, you know, aside from those, uh, you know, those uh, touchdown passes. And honestly, those, those catches are, they're just good catches. They're, it's a good throw. It's a good catch. Sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. And um, you know, it, it was, uh, it, it was what it was, but I was definitely very, very much uh, excited and um, enthusiastic about what I saw from the run defense here specifically. Um, and again, we're going to move into a couple other things here really quick, Jay, but you know, you and I actually talked about this off air earlier in the week, And as I just alluded to, you know, we did have the Josh Lambeau missed field goal. And you and I have talked about this in the past. You know, we love Josh Lambeau as a person. He's been great here. He, of course, had an incredible run. But as we know, he does have an injury history and he seems to have kind of struggled a little bit here. Uh, You know, we've seen it in training camp. We saw it here last night. I mean, granted, it was still a 40, 43 yard field goal, something along those lines. But it also didn't help that, uh, Rosas, the guy that we cut, you know, made some field goals <laughs> against us as well. That certainly didn't help as far as, you know, just how, I, how it looked. But is there any level of concern here for you as far as Josh Lambeau, not just because of his health, but also we've seen this before, not only just here in Jacksonville, but kickers in general, they'll hit a wall. And let's not forget, Josh Lambeau had hit that wall in in Baltimore and then kind of, or I'm sorry, in, uh, in Los Angeles, right, with the Chargers. And then kind of refound himself here in Jacksonville. You know, do you have any concern about that? Cause special teams, of course, are going to be a big part of, you know, part of any team, but also as far as just getting points on the board is going to be crucial here for this team.
1: Well, uh, to be fair, Roses missed one too. So everybody that's like, oh, true, the, guy, true. the guy we let go is, you know, he, he's hitting field goals well, he missed one too. Um, I've always said that special teams is a lost art in the modern game, and I don't like it because I'm I'm kind of from the old school, if you will. I have an appreciation for special teams. Uh, But in modern football, special teams isn't stressed as much as it is. And you can see it. Like, there's way too many kickers, not just Josh Lambeau, who I'm going to touch on, missing kicks. There's way too many punters shanking punts. There's way too many breakdowns in, in, you know, special teams coverage, uh, whatever the case may be. And I feel like it's not being coached like it used to be. And uh, that's 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 sad because it's a phase of the game that's important, and it could be an X factor phase of the game if you do it right. Um, so I'm kind of glad they got Urban Meyer, who loves special teams, by the way, uh, here to maybe fix that. Uh, speaking of which, you know, uh, one thing to consider is that Lambo, when he was on and when he was with the Jaguars, and you know, he was Mister Automatic, he had one of the best special teams coordinators in. The NFL, Joe D. Camillus and Joe D. Camillus is no longer here. He, You know, he left uh, with the rest of the group that dispersed that was with Doug Marone. Right. So, you know, my thing is like, how do you look without Joe D. Camillus is the big question. Um, And I'm not saying Joe D. Camillus made Josh Lambeau or whatever the case may be. But you got to feel like he definitely helped him to have a career resurgence. Uh, That being said, though, yeah, man, like Josh Lambeau, again, the injuries have never sat well with me. I've been a person, I've been an advocate of saying we need to get a kicker in the seventh round or even an undrafted kicker, bring in the best kicker you can find or whatever the case may be uh, to push him. And uh, the Jaguars haven't done that. They just stuck with Roses, who isn't a very good field goal kicker himself. So I don't know if that was really competition. Uh, So, yeah, he he is a big concern of mine. And, uh, you know, the Jaguars at one point in time paid uh excuse me, Lambeau, a lot of money. And uh, he needs to be able to, like Urban Meyer said today in the presser, he has to hit field goals when they need it. Didn't he miss one in uh, the Browns game as well, Phil, if I can recall? Mm-hmm. I think he missed one. So that's two yeah. that he's missed. He was missing some in training camp, according to the reporters. Uh, so this is a trend that's kind of concerning. And uh, if I was the Jaguars, I definitely would be looking to see, you know, especially with having that number one waiver priority, you know, who – who is cut around the league, you know what I'm saying? Um, but Lambo has one more, game, uh, one more game, and that's against the Dallas Cowboys, to get it together. We'll see if he can. Uh, but he's always been a concern as of the last two years for me, uh, more specifically because of injuries. But now, now he's missing field goals with it. And it's like, look, man, what's holding the team from cutting you at this point? It used to be like, look, he's injured, but when he's there, he's making field goals. We can't make that case anymore. Right. You know what I'm saying? We can't make that case anymore. So when him missing field goals now, you know, I'm looking at him a little suspect right now. He needs to step up because he's one of the leaders and veterans of this young team and they need him and they're going to need him. They're going to be in close games. They are going to need him to make field goals. If you can't go out there and do that, then you're not the kicker for this team. And once you get to that point, especially if you are a fan,
0: once you get to the point where you are no longer Comfortable and you're just nervous every time your kicker steps out onto the field from a fan perspective, you know, you guys all know how that feels. It's not a good feeling. Like, remember how we, how we felt initially when Lambeau got here or in the, you know, the prime SCOBY days, or even going back to Mike Hollis. Once they came out there, we knew they were, they were hitting that field goal. That's not the case anymore with Josh Lambeau and which is, you know, kind of baffling to me as, as as you just mentioned there, Jay, as to why they haven't really brought in any competition for him. You thought that maybe urban would certainly do that, especially as you mentioned, he's got an affinity for special teams, but it just didn't happen. I don't know if it has to do with the money or what it is, but, you know, I think we're going to be, if this doesn't correct itself sooner rather than later, then, you know, people are going to start turning on Lambeau, which is unfortunate, but that's just how the, how, you know, the NFL goes especially when it comes to fans. But, uh, you know, as far as the game itself, you know, we just wanted to mention a few things. Definitely think there were more positives than negatives for sure. Um, But we want to get into, of course, some of the fallout of that game. And we will start on the negative side here, of course. As you all know by now, Travis Etienne's rookie season is officially over as he was placed on injured reserve this past Tuesday, which, of course, effectively ends His season, Uh, the reports did come out early Tuesday or or late Monday that he was walking around with a limp in a boot after the game. Um, And then there were reports Tuesday morning, I believe, or Tuesday afternoon that his foot sprain was a Liz Frank injury, which if you guys know anything about that, a pretty serious injury, I'm not sure if he has had the surgery yet, Jay, or I do know it was at least scheduled. So I'm not sure when that's happening, but just a huge blow. You know, we were talking about how important running the football is going to be for this team. And we know that Urban Meyer specifically targeted a guy like Travis Etienne, a guy like Kadarius Tony. He wants to emphasize speed on this offense. And that is now kind of gone as far as the running backs room goes. So, you know, how did you feel? I put out a tweet on Tuesday that was just like, you know, we know that this, there is a little bit of cause for concern, you know, it hasn't been the flashiest two games, but losing ETN in this way, you know, shades of losing Dante Fowler in this first season, it just was a real, you know, punch to the gut. And, you know, as a fan, you're just like, man, what do we have to do or what is going on here with this team that I love so much? So, you know, take us through your thought process as you're learning more and more about this ETN injury and then you know where you were when we found out that his season was over
1: well yeah first and foremost you feel for the person himself and you know the young man in travis etn who seems like a real nice young man and a dude that goes out there works his tail off um he's always worked his tail off for crying out loud he's the leading of Russia in acc history uh so i mean you just feel bad for him and you i mean you see you go back and you see when he was drafted and how his family supported him and how happy they were you know like you can't help but feel bad for them as well because they were excited to see uh where his career was gonna go with the jacksonville Jaguars. so as you said the reports came out that uh he's going to have to have surgery um, it was kind of odd because the x-rays, according to Rappaport, came back negative. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're out of the clear, though, at the same time. So afterwards, Adam Schefter broke the news that, hey, uh, yeah, he's going to have to have surgery on this. And I don't uh, they haven't said he's had surgery or not. And actually, admittedly, I now I think about it, I don't follow him on social. So I don't I haven't seen anything about him saying that he's had the surgery yet. So we'll have to look into that. Uh, But I I do think it would be out there if he had it, you know, in some way, shape, or form. In today's digital realm, it would have been out there um, because either he would have tweeted it or somebody, you know, the the team would have put it out there, whatever the case may be. Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport would have put it out there. They're always on top of injuries too. Um, So that being said, uh, in terms of the impact that it could have for the team, I struggled to find out how much of an impact it really could have had because the Jaguars themselves were trying to establish what they were going to do with Travis Etienne, it felt like. And I don't mean that in the sense that they didn't know if they wanted him to be a receiver or a running back. I mean that in the sense of like they were struggling to find a groove. It felt like to me in terms of snaps And now that's that's kind of hard to do don't get me wrong in the preseason because you only got you have so many snaps or whatever the case may be and you want that person out of the game by a certain point in the game as well so everybody else that's behind him on the depth chart could get snaps as well uh but um you know like he only had one carry in in uh, the, the first game one carry in the second game he was targeted once at least in the first game and Gartner Minshew tremendously overshot him. And that could have been a play that we could have been all screaming up and down as a highlight play because all he had was green in front of him. But that was a missed opportunity thanks to Minshew. And then he caught one pass against the Saints uh, but slipped. Again, had green in front of him. So, like, we really were left in the dark in terms of the impact that he could have. Uh, but, again, going back to what I was saying, like, yeah, you just – it was it's kind of hard to see what exactly – uh shape or form he was going to be utilized in terms of a snap count and effectiveness and and what uh formations and whatnot because uh they were trying to figure that out it seems themselves uh so i mean like i think one thing me and you talked about too here is for me i always felt that what they wanted for travis etn at the number 25 overall pick, which is they were saying they wanted more speed and explosiveness in this offense, you know, I was along the lines of, like, you didn't necessarily have to spend a number 25 overall pick to get that. You know, like, you can find speed and explosiveness, as we saw in the draft, second round, third round, fourth round. Uh, So, I, I bring that up to say this. There may be somebody out there that can help the Jaguars still fulfill those needs for speed and explosiveness um, as, as a number three running back. Um, now I can understand and I was hoping to see him as the number two. Eventually I can understand taking a guy there. If he's going to be the number two, that makes a ton of sense. You get a dance partner for, uh, James Robinson, but he wasn't the number two from what me and you were seeing. Like they, they're still throwing Carlos Hyde out there. Who's not effective as a passer, a pass catcher at all. He can't separate. He's one of the guys they can't separate. Uh, now, as a, as a power runner, he probably offers you a little bit more there. But when I started to see that, I was like, so why spend a 20, the number 25 overall pick? And this is not a knock on Travis. This is a knock on the front office. On somebody who is going to be your third string running back and somebody that you are struggling to find a role for, it looks like to me. So what I'm saying is, like, they didn't figure it out to the point where, you know, they could probably stick somebody in off of the street like a Duke Johnson in that role, and uh, get some, you know, get some production out of him for a year or whatever the case may be. And people don't forget, by the way, again, not knocking Travis Etienne. Don't forget the Jacksonville Jaguars have found effective running backs in undrafted free agency. One of them, I've endorsed myself before he became the starter that he is. That's Jane, James James Robson. Don't get me wrong; he's not the speed threat that Travis Etienne is, but you can find effective people at that position. You know. Late in the the draft, you can find it in free agency. Sometimes you can get a guy off the street. Uh, Another one, a guy that went undrafted. And this guy does kind of match the profile of ETN, Corey Grant. Everybody remember him? The guy that if we would have kept going to in the AFC Championship in 2017, we would have won that game. I still believe that. Erase the Miles Jack wasn't down thing. Erase the Boye penalty. Why did we stop going to Corey Grant in that game? Because they could not stop him. Well, that's beside the point. And what I'm saying is that young man was undrafted. The Jaguars didn't draft Corey Grant, and he p- had plenty of speed, and he was a great number three running back for that team. Um, I can't even remember who the number two was. Forgive me, T.J. Yeldon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Yeldon. How how could I forget that? <laughs> he he actually had a good game against the Steelers too. By the way, And he he helped out there too. So, um, yeah, what I'm saying is like, yeah, while E.T.N. is gone, and he's a very very a uh, talented individual uh what they need or what they needed out of him for this year they may can find somewhere else and um they may can supplement that in some way shape or form we'll see and like you said jay you know i hope everybody understands that this
0: is not to put down travis etienne or say that he is not like you said not a talented individual he clearly is you don't put up numbers like that in college football an accident y- yes the level of competition is different but it doesn't happen on accident it happens because you're very very talented. But yeah, like you said, I think one thing that of course doesn't have, and also let me say this, injuries are going to happen. They're going to happen no matter what. So, it's not to say that if we draft Travis Etienne in the second round that this injury does not happen. That's not how it works. We understand that. But when you see that it seems like they're struggling to find a place to put him and I even had to ask you, you know, was he even necessarily Flashing in camp, and then I I did remember some of the reports from early on. You know where they were where they were utilizing him in different roles, and yes, that was certainly happening. And but like you said, these first couple preseason games, we just have not seen it because either the play wasn't there or they didn't draw up a play for him. It just seems like you're you know you're you're the 25th overall pick in the draft. You're going to want to make sure that he is. That, that he is emphasized in your offense. This is why there was all that talk in the off season about, Oh, should the Jaguars trade James Robinson, which, you know, you and I thought was absolutely insane, but the, the thought process was that ETN was going to be, was going to split carries with James Robinson. I think we even talked about that uh, with, um, uh, with, with the candlestick kids just a couple of weeks ago that he was going to significantly take away carries from James Robinson. And we did not get that, feeling whatsoever within the first two games. So, you know, I think one thing that's definitely not helping is that now between ETN not necessarily um not producing and of course he's not going to be able to produce at all now, Tyson Campbell struggles, Walker Little has I I feel like everybody of course needs to pump the brakes on Walker Little. You know, some people are concerned he hasn't played football in like 2 years,
1: okay? So, you know, between some of those guys that are they're going out there too, and, and, then we feel. and we want Exactly. We when you don't play football for the amount of time he has played and you put him in there with starter level competition. It's like it's right. it's like we had a crystal ball. I said this. He's going to go out there and he's going to look pretty bad. You know, and yep. and to his defense by the way, he he he, he had some good reps too at times. Uh, but he, you know, like everybody got caught up, and that's the thing. Everybody got caught up in, oh, he's killing it in training camp. He's kill- That's different than going against Cameron Jordan or whoever the case may be. D- the Dab- middle of August, Davenport, <laughs> right? Like, and and again, again, my thing has always been, uh, veteran savvy pass rushers always figure out rookie offensive tackles. So that's why I've always said that's that's why I get that saying for. If you you throw a rookie tackle out there you're probably asking for it and a lot of the rookie tackles that have success as a rookie to me like I notice a trend it's a lot of guys that are just huge gargantuan left tackles like Makai Beckner for example that are that take a lot of effort to get around you know what I'm saying those type of guys but other than those guys like at times and uh, Orlando Brown is another one by the way noticing a trend there uh but like I was saying though man like this was expected but continue i ain't mean to stop you though man but all i'm saying is we told y'all and everybody just kind of got excited about the training camp surge he had and got humble right no no you're good but like i said
0: you know it's i'm i'm sure the level of concern is also coming from the fact that some of these picks are not producing right away and i don't know what you what some of you expected but this is how this season is going to go it's going to have a few moments where we're like oh man this is heading in the right direction and then there are going to be a lot of moments where we're like oh crap here we go again so just prepare yourselves for that i i am a first time i talked about this a couple of weeks ago i'm a first time season ticket holder this year very very excited uh, uh me and our, our buddy eric are are, um, are going to be out there each and every single home game But I'm just telling you guys right now that Denver Broncos game, that home opener against that defense is going to be tough. That is going to be an ugly game. We're going to be hot as hell out there. It's going to be like 100 degrees. We're all going to be uncomfortable and we're going to watch them maybe lose 17 to 16 or something along those lines, you know. So just prepare yourself for this season. I know a lot of you have an understanding to temper those expectations like we've talked about already. But I just want to prepare you guys. It's gonna be a little rough at sometimes. Go ahead, Jay.
1: Yeah, um back on the ETN thing, as you and, and you're right about tempering the expectations. And we'll have our predictions later down the road, by the way. So we'll we'll see where we're standing in a week or two, right? <laughs> in terms of how we're feeling about that. But yeah, back on the ETN thing had the I guess the way to sum up what I was saying, like you you were saying, like we're not knocking ETN, but what I'm saying is the best way to sum it up is uh, had they been using ETN like a number two running back and putting him in that number two role like you should for a number 25 overall pick, then we should have been concerned when he had the injury. And we are concerned for him as a person, no doubt. So let's not get that twisted. But in terms of the impact is what I'm saying. Like, then we should have been concerned if the Jaguars had him as number two, like they should have, which they didn't, as the second guy behind James Robinson. So, again, just to kind of, like, make it and put it in the simplest terms, also what you were saying is, like, it felt like they were getting a feel for Travis Etienne throughout this whole process of the preseason. And you, like, that's just kind of weird to be saying, hey, we're trying to get a feel for uh. This guy we drafted twenty five over twenty uh, fifth overall in the first round. This is the pick that we spent. That you know that the Rams gave us for Jalen Ramsey. We're trying to get a feel for how that guy is gonna make an impact uh, for this team. That's just kind of weird for the number twenty five overall pick on offense. So you know that's where I stand on it. Um, hopefully, uh, Travis Etienne has a speedy recovery. Uh, wish him the best as well. And when you bring him back, Jacksonville, and that's the that's the kind of the unique thing about it is when he comes back uh traffic the, the number two role is there for him to have so that's not to say we we wasted a first round pick that's not what i'm saying carlos Hyde will be gone when he comes back so that'll work out for the better and um yeah we'll just we'll see where he is in terms of health and you know what kind of recovery it is and um we hope him a speedy recovery uh, but yeah, like that young man has a bright future with this team. Just utilize him the way that he's supposed to be used if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, of course, we
0: we wish Travis a, a quick and successful recovery and very much look forward to uh, seeing him next season and uh, unlocking his full potential. Because, of course, even though we didn't necessarily agree with the pick when it first happened, we were still excited because of what it meant as far as him teaming up with, you know, his college quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. And You know, you do it as well to keep Trevor, you know, more comfortable. And now he's going to find himself in a position that he hasn't been in a very, very long time. Travis Etienne is not out in the field with him, which is a good transition, of course, to the next story we talk about, which is Trevor Lawrence finally being named the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars for week one against the Houston Texans. And, you know, I know there was a lot of people that got kind of anxious for this decision to come along, but I mean, I don't know. Why you guys were? Why some people were necessarily in doubt about this? First off, Minshew had not been playing well, so let's get that out of the way. They weren't going to name C.J. Beathard starting quarterback, right? I don't think that was ever a worry, and we did see Trevor improve between week one and week two. They're going to trot him out there for week three against the Cowboys as well. But we did finally get that um, th- uh, that decision here today from head coach. Urban Meyer, um, you know, not hasn't necessarily gotten the ball into the end zone quite yet. We're hoping to see that against Dallas. But, you know, I was always under the impression that this was going to be the decision all along. I don't know if some people really were genuinely worried, but I mean, tr- Urban Meyer didn't come out of retirement for to coach Gardner Minshew uh, quarterback. <laughs> you know, I think. I think we all know that. So, Jay, what do you think about them kind of dragging this thing out? Do you think it was the right decision or just much ado about nothing?
1: Well, first I'll say this. Uh, I think, like, what everybody was upset about is because they wanted to see, especially with how lethargic and kind of uh, sluggish the offense looked, they wanted to see Trevor Lawrence getting consecutive or consistent snaps with the ones to build yeah. camaraderie. So that might have been a lot of people's issues, which, uh, which you couldn't understand now. I mean, personally, now I would have named him the starter last week, uh, personally. But you, know, like I was telling you and Boogie in the thread, like if they name him the starter this week, which they did, um, it's not the, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's not the, it's, it's not necessarily a, a terrible thing if they waited till today, like they did, uh, to name him the quarterback. Because again, like that fourth preseason week, there's no longer four preseason games, so you you have that week to practice as well and no preseason game to worry about. So like really what they have about 20 days or so before the regular season. Uh, for a guy as talented as Trevor Lawrence, that's plenty of time to get things down pat uh as as quickly as you can. Uh so yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I would have did it sooner, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that they waited till today to do it. Um like you said Gardner Minshew has looked bad um in terms of the preseason games. Uh it might have looked a little closer in practice, but still nonetheless, like the things you keep hearing in reports, it's funny how the reports all match O'Brien, um, Jamal St. Cyr. One guy can push the ball down the field, one guy can't. And we were seeing that in the preseason game. Trevor Lawrence can push the ball down the field, Gardner Minshew can't. That's all you needed to know in terms of who was going to be able to start for this team. Uh, if you're the Jacksonville Jack Lawrence. now, so other people were making some interesting comments now, like a lot of the ESPN people like, should you start Trevor Lawrence with how the offensive line was looking? But again, we've already addressed that. There's the st- they're, they're going to have their three starters back in the regular season. Hopefully. I mean, that's what they've been telling us. That's what we're going to go with. So, um, again, now they can start building that chemistry, that camaraderie again, might not look good on Sunday against the Cowboys. Missing some pieces in the receiving core, probably, uh, but after that, you know, don't be surprised if you know they look significantly better against the Houston Texans uh, in terms of that situation. So glad he's named the quarterback. We can now uh, start looking forward and progressing forward, and uh, a lot of people can stop worrying about the situation with him and Gardner issue. By the way, like, what do you? I'm, I'm going to swing a question here on you. Like, what do you think about like? Do you think C.J. Bethard will end up being the number two? And also, do you think Gardner Minshew gets traded uh, this year before the regular season?
0: I definitely think, at least from what we've seen, that C.J. Bethard has solidified himself as the second-best quarterback on the roster, at least right now. He doesn't necessarily show it in practice, but he definitely shows it on the field. So... I don't know, man. I mean, if if they have been trying to play Gardner Minshew more to increase his trade value, it has not worked. Because if anything, he's done the opposite and lessened his trade value. I don't think they just outright cut him. But I do think that when it's all said and done, that Minshew will be on the move somewhere. Uh, thank goodness, you know, knock on wood, we haven't really seen any major quarterback injuries that I can recall that i don't think i've seen any along those lines aj mccarron
1: uh, was one if you're talking about second stringers okay got but they it. got yeah, josh just rosen about, that's right in atlanta right right yeah freak accident yeah like i yeah. watched that game like he was just dropping back to do a handoff and the acl just popped so yeah um, so, prayers for him too by the way
0: Exactly. So, you know, you may, maybe you look at a place like that. I'm, I'm trying to think, Jay, of where they've also where they've, you know, had dealings with other with other GMs and other organizations here recently. Yeah. Philadelphia, something along those lines. Um, Joe
1: Flacco ain't looking all that great.
0: <laughs> no, he is not. So, yeah, I think ultimately CJ has earned the, the QB two spot. But will he be named that just because of the logistics with Minshew I don't know man but I think CJ has proven that he is the better of the two quarterbacks at least right now and um you know we'll just have to we'll just have to wait and see but um yeah again like you said at least we got out of the way everybody knows even though I think in our hearts we already knew that this was going to be the decision and you know before we get into the last piece of news before we wrap up here oh go ahead Jay
1: yeah, one more thing. I will say this, the luxury in Urban Meyer doing it this way, even though a lot of people disagree with it, the luxury is, and I'll be quick with this, is that he allowed Gardner Minshew, or at least on the surface, he made it look like Gardner Minshew had every chance uh, to succeed. Now, granted, Gardner Minshew was with the second stringers in the second string offensive line, uh, but like he made it look like Minshew had every chance to step up and take this uh, situation and, and win it. So this is one thing Gardner he's he a warrior, right? He can't, he can't go into this situation saying he didn't get a fair chance in terms of the reps and the opportunity. Uh Maybe he can make a case again about that. He was behind the second string. Uh But, and another thing is like, he can't like be mad or, and I'm not saying this is going to be the case, be mad about the situation or hold any grudges or treat uh Trevor Lawrence, at least in my opinion, any kind of way, Uh, Like he was just gifted this job because that was not the case. So that's the luxury in doing it this way, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, we didn't get any. I don't know if you remember this from Hard Knocks a couple of years ago. Do you remember when Hugh Jackson called Baker Mayfield into the office and told him that he had won the QB2 spot (laughs) on Hard Knocks?
1: Would have been nice. We weren't going to give that.
0: (laughs) We weren't going to get any nonsense like that here in Jacksonville, luckily. But yeah, like I said, I mean, not only did minchu Minshew get ample opportunity here during camp and during these preseason games. He also had all of last season to prove that he could be a franchise quarterback and he didn't do it. So here we are. I, I think he can be a very, very good backup. He can go in there and mix things up a little bit as well. Say if anything happens to your starting quarterback, but he's not a franchise guy. And and we know that now it was Minshew Maney was fun and it was great while it lasted. But, you know, the, we, we're in a position we were in a position to draft a generational talent because the team was no good. So, and Gardner Minshew was a part of that team. So that, uh, you know, we'll just leave that for, uh, for, for what it's worth. So let's get into the last piece of news here, Jay. And that is uh, that actually has to do with the football facility that the Jacksonville city council has approved. And Jay, you know, like you said earlier this week, look what happens when there's a little bit of transparency things seem to go <laughs> pretty smoothly here um, and uh, pulling up your article here that we posted or that tyler wrote up over on the wire Um, an expected but significant decision the jacksonville city council unanimously approved a deal to split the cost of the jaguars new downtown sports performance center the project will be called first downtown and is projected to cost about 120 million dollars to construct with the plan's approval, the city and the team will split that cost 50-50. The city will own the facility and lease it to the team in an initial 30-year deal with two 10-year extension options. Um, of course, we know what happened with Lot J. Uh, you know, This one moved through the process pretty easy, pretty quickly. It was really, really nice to see. Uh, the facility will include office spaces, training rooms, indoor and outdoor practice facilities, Uh, with bleachers, and those bleachers are covered, guys. That's one of the things that I'm so excited about as far as when I saw, you know, the renderings. Shade. (laughs) Now Let's just, let's get that shade over to the stadium now next, and I will be a very, very happy fan. So, uh, Jay, you know, we've been covering this a lot. We know how important the area around the stadium is to the growth and the continued growth of this team and this franchise and the city, of course. You know, we talk a lot about, about Shad Khan needing to make a covenant with the city, and at least you know, again with a little bit of transparency, we're seeing a little bit of progress. So, you know, what do you think about the um, the future of this before, or of this facility that we're going to be getting for the team?
1: Yeah, it's great. Like I like I was telling you before, like I think it it speaks volumes because you know taxpayers don't necessarily have to be left with the burden of paying for their team's practice facility. So I think it's awesome that the city council and the city of Jacksonville are showing the willingness to help the Jaguars build a world-class facility and also continue that trend of like, let's split the costs on these things that we're doing. Shotgun, you take some, we'll take some. And that way you're setting a president and you're setting an example too. And we see this with, uh, and we'll have a conversation about this later, but you see this with the Bills situation and where they are with their stadium and, you know, like reports of them that, uh, about them potentially going to Austin which was bogus. Mike Florio could have saved that article by the way. Um because we all know Jerry Jones ain't letting nobody move into Dallas uh with with him not another team aside from the Texas. but you know Flor- Florio and those trying to get those clicks, man. That's another story <laughs> for another time. Uh but like he's he's kind of just trying to milk that situation and that Bills situation and get a lot of clicks and uh, kind of maybe ruffles feathers there which is a serious situation but it looks like it might get done just kind of based off of Roger Goodell's uh tone if you will he talked about this yesterday or something like that uh, but yeah you set if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you're setting that example and that precedent and that may be like 20 years down the road by the way 25 years down the road whenever we get to that point where we have to build a, a stadium or whatever the case may be like let's split the costs on this let's be reasonable. Uh, let's like we've done everything in the past, like we've done with the facility, like we've done with Daly's Place, like we've done with the club seats and, and this, that and other. So I think that's a good thing to be doing in, in, in terms of establishing that. And also just showing from a city council perspective and from a city and a taxpayer's perspective that, hey, we love the Jacksonville Jaguars. We want them to have the best and we want to give them the opportunity to succeed. Um, you know, and we want what's best for the team. That's why they built Daly's place. That's why they built the club seats. And, and that's why they put money towards those things as well. So uh, it's a, a very exciting time in terms of getting that done. Uh, we'll see. Like they haven't really necessarily talked about who's going to construct it and all of that and, and whatnot, but it should be done by 2023. Uh, so they you would have to think they have to get the plans and the blueprints and the engineering and all of that done rather soon, which Mark Lampin said they would. And uh, yeah, so we'll kind of monitor that situation continuously. Uh, but look, the city of Jacksonville and the Jacksonville City Council. Again, one thing that shotgun cannot say and use as a weapon against this city is that the, the taxpayers haven't done their part. They're building a world class facility for Earl, uh, Urban Meyer and, and, and company. And, um, you know, that's a good example uh, to basically have, you know, for the future as well in terms of the how, how owners operate. Right. And how we've seen them just want to up and move from places. And look, this
0: is another part of what of why Urban Meyer is here. Right. Like this 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 came up in discussions with Shad Khan. We know that as far as upgrading facilities, putting an emphasis on, you know, the um, the type of culture that they want to establish here in Jacksonville urban Meyer doesn't want to come into some you know busted old facility each and every single week as far as his place to work he wants a nice office that's right there overlooking the river or whatever you know the case may be and overlooking that nice practice field with all that shade you know what I'm saying like I'm just really excited about the shade you guys I keep (laughs) I keep bringing that up as someone you know as you know a lot of us have known sitting out there at that training camp and just dying in that heat i'm really excited to just sit back and relax, <laughs> and relax under under the uh, under those uh under that shade man it's going to be fantastic but anyway yeah like you said this is uh this is part of the urban meyer effect and has he made some questionable decisions yes but you know we talked about this with um with austin lane when he came on a few months ago jay and i'll reiterate it again here if urban meyer comes in upgrades the facilities. Trevor Lawrence is trading in the right direction. And then if he leaves in three or four years, but leaves the franchise in a better place than it was before, I will take that each and every single time. And hopefully this is another step in that direction.
1: Yeah. And like we said, man, this is something that is needed. You know what I'm saying? The Jacksonville me man, you have been saying this years before and everybody was kind of like, why are they, why do they stick to this whole thing of Nina facility so much on this podcast? But it's, it is important. And I don't think if there was a more in a a more uh, clear example of that of when Mark Lampin or it might have been Shotgun saying like, "Hey, look, we're only working with uh, fifty thousand feet of space or sixty thousand feet of space in the stadium," and in comparison, other teams are working with a hundred and fifty square feet, a hundred or should I say hundred and fifty thousand square feet or whatever the case may be. Like they were they had the least amount of working space of any team in the NFL. And that's that's telling. And again, when you get a franchise quarterback like Trevor Lawrence and you want the the franchise to trend upwards, you have to start acting like a world class organization. You know what I'm saying? With taking the number one overall pick and with taking Trevor Lawrence, it's time uh, for the Jaguars to start carrying themselves in a world class organization type of way. And this facility does that for them. Um, and, again, you know, it matches some of those prices we've seen with these new facilities like in uh, Miami. They just built a new one with a slide in it, by the way. I don't know if anybody's seen that, but <laughs> Stephen Ross get well, we, we better get a slide. It, dude, if we don't get a slide, it's it's not. That it, goes into the shade. It'll be perfect. <laughs> That's all <I> want. <laughs> yeah, we, we want. No, you know what? Bump it. We let, you know how shot is. He want to outdo people. Screw it. We don't want just a regular slide. We want a water slide in there. Okay, like wet and wild style that you can go down in the (laughs) spiral. (laughs) Okay, the first ever practice facility with a water park in it. Make it happen. There we go. We already got the pools. Might as well just
0: you know just dive right in to to be (laughs) to be obvious about it. But yeah, you know, again, very very significant big news for the team as well as the future of the franchise and the city. It is a very very big deal. And like you said, twenty twenty three. That's not. Too far away from here, guys. We're already over halfway through this year. It'll be twenty twenty two before we know it. Again, a lot of ups, a lot of downs as far as this week goes, and you know it's only going to get crazier as far as getting uh, closer and closer to the season. So, Jay, is there anything else you wanted to mention? You know, before you wrap up here this week. Of course, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be doing our full breakdown and predictions as far as uh, the season goes. I also wanted to end this show talking about. My guy, Josh Oliver, is out there in Baltimore balling out. And when that guy becomes a pro bowler, I will sit here on the show and say, I told you so in
1: my Josh Oliver Baltimore Ravens jersey. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, man. He's he's killing it, man. And th- like it's it's really looking like a blunder on the end, man. Like, what in the hell the Jags were thinking there, right? Like, maybe he should have got one more chance. But um, That being said, yeah, man, like plenty of stuff uh, coming up. It's going to be, like you said, a busy week, man, super, super busy week. We're going to have probably going to do some more, like one last set of roster predictions uh, because, you know, as we all know, we're coming up on that time where the Jaguars have to make their final 53-man roster. Uh, We'll be covering the Cowboys game as well, which is an important one. Um, First ever year where we're having just three preseason games, the starters are going to play Uh, This is not your average last preseason game, and we're going to have plenty of coverage on it uh, as a result. So we'll be covering that. We'll have the aftermath of it as well, not just the final 53-man roster uh, predictions and the final 53-man roster news itself, uh, but we'll have plenty of other coverage with that. Snap counts who look good, who look bad. Y'all saw what we did this week, man. We're trying to step up the coverage at Jaguars Wire and also on this podcast as well, so... Uh, can't wait to get to the regular season and um, everybody, you know, I know everybody's on edge a little bit after the last game, but just hang in there, man. We, we're almost to the significant football that counts and uh, hopefully they'll start looking better in the process.
0: Yeah, slow and steady, slow and steady. We all know that this is a it's going to be a process To to, to quote the great Daryl Morey, trust the process. And we'll see how the rest of this thing goes. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode. Again, if you're enjoying the show and if you're listening on an Apple device, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, you can find us at Believe.com and as part of the awesome Believe podcast library. Make sure you follow myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. We are the most active over on Twitter. You can also tweet
1: the show at BelieveInJagsPod as well. Hey, wait, Phil. But thank you. Real quick, huh? um, you forgot to mention about the uh, the Jaguars wire Crate Challenge that we're gonna do.
0: <laughs> no, no, we are certainly not gonna do that. <laughs> Have you seen? You saw me trip and fall doing the forty yard dash, and you want me to climb up some some crates? Like you are out of your mind. I am not doing that. And believe doesn't give us health insurance
1: (laughs) well we'll we'll do a four high stack for you a four high stack you you should be able to 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 do that even i I got bad ankles man we're
0: we're being real (laughs) we're being as someone who snapped his ankle playing football as a kid i that sounds like a a nightmare to me so anyway (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening to this new episode. Don't forget to believe in the Jaguars, but more importantly, believe in yourselves and we'll see you next week, guys.